Amen. The two areas that we give the most time to in our morning services are clearly time spent in the Bible and the teaching and then also the music. I hope you have a love for both. hope you don't wish one of them was uh, more and one was less. I can remember years ago being in a, uh, a testimony service and song service when I was in college and, and the pastor saying after we were singing some songs, boy, we could probably just stop right now and, and uh, that would be enough. And I was thinking, man, I want that preaching, I want that teaching. When we come to song services like that, and that last song is one of my favorites. It's just so beautiful to worship through those wonderful words and encouragement, uh, the gifted songwriters that we have today, and are you thankful for the people that minister? You know, they give up Thursday nights to come and practice, and they, they work hard to put things together, and um, we are so blessed, and I am blessed to hear you guys sing. I uh, stopped singing here for a little while and listened to you guys. You were a blessing to me. <clears throat> I love the story that I heard years ago about a very influential and popular pastor and it was right around the time when the, you could start to record services on the cassette tapes. And he had, a really, he had a real struggle with that. He did not want them to start recording his sermons on the cassette tapes because he felt so strongly that there is something very sweet and something unique and special about the time when the church is gathering together and listening to God's Word. I've already prayed today for the involvement of the Holy Spirit, and we do uh, make these messages available online, and you can even get uh, DVD or, I mean, CDs um, of them. But I want to encourage you, there is something sweet and special and unique about when God's people join together. Um, I need to dismiss the kids to children's church. Kids up to the fifth grade, go ahead and make your way on back if you're not already gone. Thank you. I see some of them going there. Great. Everybody else, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 7 in your Bible. Matthew chapter 7, we've got some special weeks coming up ahead uh, with uh, the 15th being our uh, Christmas children's program in our 10 a.m. service. The week after that, the 22nd, we will have our cantata with the choir and drama involved as well. So special times, it's a special time of year and hopefully it's uh, very special to you because of what you know in Jesus Christ. I want to pray one more time. Would you please bow with me and participate? Father, what a blessing it is to come to this time. Help us to never grow used to the Word of God, but for it to always have a special place in our own personal hearts and also the desire for us to join together and learn from it. We praise you for your plan of the church and for this very important time. And I would ask that you would help me not to get in the way, but to hide me behind the cross of Jesus Christ, even during these next few moments. I thank you for the blessing it is to gather together. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to protecting people that you have influence over, there are some things that will stand out to some people more than others. I have up here a package of cookies. I've had a couple people comment on that already. I've had some even mention that they might be distracted during the preaching time if I leave these cookies out here. So I will hide them in just a little bit so you're not thinking about cookies, all right? 
But I put them out here for an illustration because I wonder how many of you, if you have had the opportunity to raise a child, there are some concerns that will pop up in your mind when you think of cookies. What are some potential thoughts that a parent might have? The kids don't have them. Some of you adults don't even have them, but parents will have about concerns when it comes to cookies. I thought of a few just earlier today. Um, If your kid is eating a whole bunch of cookies, one thing that might pop in your mind is the danger of cavities. It could cause cavities. Maybe some of you parents have actually said, sorry, you can't have that candy. It causes cavities. There are some parents who are thinking, if my kid has a cookie, Sometimes they'll get a snack in Sunday school, which is at our place here, right before lunch. If they eat too many cookies right before a meal, what might it do? It might ruin their meal, right? There are some parents who might be thinking, if their kid gets a whole bunch of cookies, that they might get a sugar high, right? And I know some of you grandparents enjoy giving those cookies and candies (laughs) to the kids before you shove them off with their parents because they're on a sugar high. These are some things that some parents might have as a red flag. They might have concerns with giving their kid a cookie. I received a message several weeks ago from my brother-in-law. And he let me know I'm at the hospital with my son. My son, we believe, um, he has a peanut allergy. And we're not sure how serious it is yet. But would you please pray? And the child had a cookie. They didn't know what was in it. And they got into it and they found the kind of nut that the child was allergic to. What danger do you think was on dad's heart when the child ate the cookie? Do you think they were thinking about cavities when they ate that cookie? Do you think they were concerned about their next meal being ruined? No. There was one danger. The main danger a reaction to that allergy, that, to that thing they were allergic to that might cause major and maybe even um, a, a permanent damage to that person. I want to challenge you as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount today that the devil takes anything that God gives us. You'll hear me say this on a regular basis. The devil takes anything that God gives us, especially the good things, and he is able to twist them. He is able to get us to think incorrectly about them. And if I can even use the illustration of the pendulum, are you familiar with what the pendulum is? Oftentimes when we are um, in one place on thinking about something, that pendulum will start to swing, and instead of landing in the balanced right place, it will possibly go too far. I want you to keep that in mind as we approach Jesus' last lesson in the Sermon on the Mount today. Because there are, as I mentioned earlier with the cookies, oh, sorry about that, for those of you who are distracted, there are a couple different lessons that Jesus is going to give here, and they're both very important. One of them is of extreme importance And what the devil would want to do is whichever one you are leaning on, whichever one you resonates with you, he's going to want to get you to cancel out the other one. I do not want you to miss the main message. 
The main point of what Jesus is talking about here in this final lesson in the Sermon on the Mount. Now, before we get to that final lesson, I want to jump to the last two verses of Matthew chapter 7. Would you go ahead and look at it with me? This is a nice way to set this up. As one who teaches, I couldn't help but be a little bit jealous as I uh, saw this. Verse number 28 of Matthew 7 says, And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at His teaching. For He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The devil is going to take what Jesus is about to say in this last lesson, and he is going to talk about, Jesus' main main lesson is about a foundation, the right foundation that everyone must have. This is the jugular issue. This is the main concern that should be raised. And if you are just thinking about that, he's going to try to get your mind off of another application, another lesson that we're going to close with today. And there are some, unfortunately, that he has their mind on that smaller application. And the devil has been successful at making some miss the importance of the foundation, which is the jugular issue. What we'll see in God's Word today is that many people that you encounter will look like a Christian They appear to be Christians. We can spend time with them, and we would think nothing else except for they're a good Christian man or woman. And yet many of them are missing the most important part of the Christian life. You've heard me say, if you've been around for a while, you've heard me say that one of the struggles for us in the day we live in, in the country that we live in, is there are many people who, if, and don't miss what I'm saying here, if you could get into heaven, if you could earn eternal life by your conduct, by being a good person, many of you know people who might fall in that category. I know I've had somebody in the past, and I thought, they are the nicest person that I've ever talked to. It was a person that did not profess to have faith in Jesus Christ, and yet they were the most wonderful person. This is very tricky because we oftentimes will use the test for the Christian faith. We will talk about, you will know them by their fruits. And so often some people who do not have this foundation correct are able to have some incredible fruits. Or if I can jump ahead to the lesson Jesus is going to give. There are some people who have a beautiful looking house that maybe you would love to live in. Some people who are in a house and you would look around and you would be very pleased with that house. And as they go on throughout life, the house gets better and better. But Jesus warns of a danger of people who have built that house on a sandy foundation, which means there will come a day when even though maybe their house looked just like the house that was built on a good foundation, there's going to come a day of judgment, and Christ just talked about that, a day of judgment 
when that house will fall and great will be the destruction of it. And so you've heard me say we know some people who look very, very, very good on the outside. And today Jesus is going to give this very popular parable to help us with this understanding. And so when you have a neighbor that's a great neighbor, you know, they loan you a tool, they help you out, they give you Christmas cookies. There's cookies again in our sermon. And yet when we think of that, oftentimes we will sometimes get past the point of talking about the foundation. It almost feels like we can't ask about that anymore. Now we just talk about the outside. All that to bring us to our text here in Matthew chapter 7. The main point, in case you haven't gotten it yet, the main point is there have always been. So I mentioned earlier in the day we live in, in the place we live, there are people who look a lot like you and me if we are Christians living the Christian life. But I want to suggest there have always been since the beginning of time, people whose lives demonstrate qualities that God wants us to have. There are people that we walk with and have been since, the, since a man was created by God. There have been people who look good. They're producing good works, but they've not trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior. I want to read through the entire text And hopefully we'll be able to pull away this main jugular issue of building on the right foundation. When we come to the end, I'm going to have us get that side application, those of you who know Christ as your Savior. We're going to read through some Scripture together. We're even going to sing a little bit about this wonderful confidence that we have in our foundation. I'm going to read verses 24 through 27, the last lesson Christ gives here in the Sermon on the Mount. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I want you to notice in this parable, which remember what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Christ teaches in a parable here, something they would understand, something that likely Jesus, who was a carpenter's son, would understand about building, building a house. And I want you to pay attention to what is the only difference in the two houses that he mentions. He doesn't talk about the fruits. He doesn't talk about the windows, the doors, the outward appearance, the inside comfort. He doesn't talk about that. The only difference that Jesus talks about is what area? What is it? Say it out loud if you know what it is. It is the foundation. He's closing with this, brothers and sisters. Oftentimes when someone will speak, they want to have a big finale, a big finish, something memorable. 
This is what Christ is closing with. Do not miss this area of the foundation. In this parable, I think we can learn that the visible parts of the house, they could be identical. They could be two houses side by side, and as you look at them, you might not notice any difference. If I came to you and asked you about your house, the house you live in, it's not likely many of you would start to talk about the foundation. Well, you know, when this was built, we went down an extra three feet into the ground for our foundation. Nobody's going to talk about that. Some of you ladies would talk about the decorations and, and maybe, you know, uh, the holiday uh, things that you have out this time of year. Some of you guys would go to the garage and talk about your power tools. It's what you'd talk about. We wouldn't talk about the foundation, right? Jesus here cuts through that and says, you need to pay attention to the foundation. And he points out that if not done correctly, it's going to lead to disaster for the entire house. What is the foundation? Jesus gives it very clearly there in red letter, right? What is this foundation that is so important? Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, he says at one point. And then he says after that, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. So the foundation is obedience to God's word. James chapter 2, verse 14 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? In Jesus' teaching, these two men had much in common. But as Christ already told us, he said earlier in his teaching, on that day, referring to judgment day, there is coming a day of judgment and Jesus Christ is not going to look at that house and how good it looks. He's going to look at the foundation. And as he teaches about judgment, here it's called the storm, the wind, the flood. One house collapses and one house stands firm. In the sister teaching to this in uh, Luke chapter 6, we find that Jesus actually says about the wise builder that he digs deep. He dug deep for his foundation, and that's a good picture for us. And so obedience to God's word here is accepting the gift of forgiveness. Jesus Christ is right now in the beginning of his earthly ministry. He's right now just recruited the disciples. He's given the Sermon on the Mount. There's a big crowd around. Nobody knew what was coming. It's obvious to us. They thought this guy is going to deliver us from the Romans because they've taken over Israel right now. This guy is going to be some great military leader. And can't you imagine the disciples as they heard this message and they knew they were in the inner group and here's these thousands of people and they're kind of sizing up people. That guy over there, he'll be a good soldier. That guy over there, I'll bet he can fight. That girl over there, she'll be a good support person. Oh, that people over there, they've got seven kids, nine kids. They're going to really add to our army to follow Jesus. They did not know why Christ was there. You see, Christ came into this world to prove that he was God by performing miracles, by teaching. Christ came into this world to demonstrate that we can have hope to live a Christian life 
in a way that's pleasing to God because he did it for us. But the most important reason why Jesus Christ came into this world was to die on a cross. You see, they would take Jesus Christ after his three years of earthly ministry and they would have a trial. It was a phony trial. He did no sin, did nothing wrong. And yet nothing could stop it. He was going to die for your sins and for mine. And this is the part of the foundation that we must understand. Jesus Christ came into this world to die for sinners. And that means you and that means me. And if we accept this gift of eternal life, of forgiveness, that's the foundation. And there are many who have a house that looks very, very good, but they are not going to be judged on the outside. In fact, the Bible tells us everything good that you can do if you don't have the right foundation, it's going to be for nothing. It's going to be burned up. There is a reference that is made to judgment here. I think the main reference, probable, it's probable that that's talking about the end time judgment. But can I go ahead and make an application for those of you who know Jesus Christ today? Because when we see the storm come in the parable here, when we see the floods come and the wind, I think there's another application that we can be encouraged with from this. It is possible that you know someone who's made a profession, in, a profession of following Jesus Christ. If you're like me, you've had somebody that you've heard them maybe go to church and make a response uh, to an invitation to follow Christ, to become a Christian. And yet, it's possible that you've known someone who made a profession like that, but when the storms of life came, when things got easier, they fell away. They did not stick with it. And you might say, well, I wonder if they meant it or not. Maybe you'll say, that's not my call. I heard them pray a prayer. I was with them when they did that, so I don't know. And confusion can come our way. That reminds me of the similar teaching in Matthew 13 where Jesus talks about the seeds of the gospel going out and the gospel seed falling on a shallow heart And when they found out that the road that they were to go on was narrow or was difficult, they fell away. We need to have an understanding that the road is not easy. And that when someone signs up to follow Jesus Christ, it is not a life of health and wealth. In fact, just the opposite is true. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You're not alone. I have overcome the world. It's probable that the judgment that Jesus is talking about here in this parable is the final judgment before God. And every person's profession will ultimately be tested before God. Every one of us will stand before God as a judge and he will look if we have the right foundation or not. If you can remember back in verse 23 of 7, There were even some people who did works in Jesus' name, some incredible, miraculous works, but they did not have that proper foundation. And so Jesus said to them, depart from me, I never knew you. And so what I'm going to ask you guys is if you can kind of be a weather man or a weather woman of some sorts, right? I'm going to ask you if you don't mind sending out a storm warning every once in a while. If someone has the right foundation, the storms are going to come. 
And if someone does not have the right foundation, there is a storm a-coming, a storm of judgment. And so you need to be storm casters. You need to tell people there is a storm that is coming. And if I can just make one small application here before we close with this um, second side um, application. And I'll ask, what is love? How many of you think you want to be a, a loving neighbor? You want to be a loving coworker? You want to be a loving family member? And so since you want to be loving, how do you respond to this responsibility that God has given us? Is it being polite Or is it nice to praise people for that house they have managed to build? Are you doing anybody any favors if you are constantly complimenting them on their house, their good works, how wonderful they are, if they don't have the foundation of Jesus Christ? Can I suggest to you that is one of the most unkind things that you could do for anyone? To have the knowledge of grace and understanding that if they do not respond to Christ, they're on their way to hell. That is not kind. That is not polite. That is something that will cause, I think, us to have some tears that will flow. Jesus will indeed have a true reason to wipe the final tears from our eyes. What is love? Love is being open with the celebration and an invitation that all who trust Jesus as their personal Savior have this foundation and will have eternal life. And so two things I want you to take away from this, and I want you to start right away. I thought about taking some time in the service this morning and beginning with that, but I'm not going to do that. But I am going to ask if you connect with somebody. I want you to share testimonies in two different ways. What can you do with this? First of all, talk about your foundation with somebody else, celebrating your faith in Jesus Christ. And you do that with the intention of hearing about their story of becoming a Christian. When I was putting this message together, I thought of the awkward stage of when you're talking with someone and when you forget their name. Anybody here have a hard time remembering names besides me? Holy smokes, thank you. That makes me feel so good. You know, you guys have a cheat. You can just say, hi, pastor, and you get a cheat out of that. I can't say, hi, congregant, just like that. There is an awkward place when you have heard someone's name twice or three times. It happened to me a couple days ago. Someone said, you know my name. You know who I am, and I had forgotten their name, and I felt bad about it. There comes a point where you get past it and you can't, in a polite way, ask their name anymore. You just can't do it. I've told you four times now, perhaps you should write that down. I have a concern that there is an equal awkwardness, or maybe even more, when it comes to a church family. We've gone to church together for years where, well, I can't ask anymore about your salvation. Well, I assume they're saved. They come every week and sit next to me and say amen to the same things and sing, sing the same songs. And what a shame it would be if we feel awkward about talking to someone else about their foundation, about when they came to Christ. So the idea that I'm asking you here is, is talk about your faith in Jesus Christ with the idea that you hear about theirs. Because it could be that somebody's eyes if I can use this picture, 
somebody's eyes have not yet been opened to their need for salvation. And I cannot completely understand that. But I know there are people who attend church and hang around Christians for decades and it never clicks with them. But there might be a point when it clicks with them. And so I'm asking you to celebrate your faith in Jesus Christ by sharing someone your story. So we're not going to take time during our service today. But maybe when we're done, maybe if you're in one of the ABF groups or if you talk to somebody on the phone this coming week, I'm asking you to do this. Write it down if you need to write it down to remember. Share. Say, can I share with you when I became a Christian? Can I share with you my story of how I know for sure that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ with the intention that you will hear their story? You can ask them. That's one application. And then I want you also to be sharing God stories. Look for those God stories. The, the, the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. I think one of the ways that happens is God allows you to see things going on in your world and the outside, the people outside of Christ call it luck, coincidence, karma, whatever you want to call it. And I want you to call it a God story and say, let me tell you what happened to me today to someone. Share your faith and then share those things that are going on. Okay, let me give you one side application from this uh, parable that's here. The main application is that you have the right what? The right foundation. Here's a side application for those of you who are followers of Jesus Christ. It is this. Did you notice in that parable that those people who had the right foundation were not exempt from the floods? Did you see that? The people who have the right solid foundation were not exempt from the rain and the storms and the wind. In fact, Jesus kind of speaks of them equally, doesn't he? And I know if you were in charge, you'd make it easier on the followers of Jesus Christ. You would. Less wind, less rain. But Jesus doesn't say that. We find here that Jesus Christ is going to tell them, you're going to have the storms and the wind and the floods. In the end, you will be saved. But I want to suggest to us that even during this time in this world, that sure foundation that we have is what you're going to hold on to. You are going to stoop and maybe duck your head and you are going to hold on to that foundation of Jesus Christ. I mentioned... uh, a forecast earlier and challenged you to be stormcasters. There's a word that I only hear. I only hear it when I watch the weather forecast and I only hear it when there's hurricanes coming to somewhere where they have hurricanes down south of here. I'm glad I'm not there. Some of you are going there pretty soon here where they have those hurricanes. There's one phrase that I hear in the weather forecast. I never hear it anywhere else. It's these, these two words put together. Hunker down. It's those words. Hunker down. It jumps out to me. Now it might jump out to you when you hear it. They give the forecast. They're talking about the weather. Everybody here is hunkering down. They're going to hunker down for the storm. I never hear it anywhere else. I looked up what hunker down means. It means take shelter in a defensive position. But I only hear it when there's a hurricane coming to one of the southern states. Hunker down. They're putting, you know, boards on their windows or they're, uh, you know, putting sandbags out to save their property or... They leave. 
This idea of hunkering down is the side application that I want to give you. And I want to give you some verses. You can write these down. We're going to have them come up on the screen. But I'm going to ask you to read those with me together. Because if you have a sure foundation of Jesus Christ, you do not have a guarantee that you won't have the wind and the floods. There's no guarantee of that. But what you do have is the sure foundation, and you are not alone. God has given us a church family. Hopefully, you're plugged into a church family. God has given us that, but we also have Him. And so I'm going to ask you to read with me. We're going to put them on the screen. I think the first one's already up there. And I'm going to read that first part that's at the top, and then you're going to read uh, the verse and the reference after that. I've got four or five of these. And so I'll read the first part, and then we'll read together the verse. Because I have a sure foundation in Jesus, I know that the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble, Psalm 37, 39. Because I have a sure foundation in Jesus, I know that the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him, Nahum 1, 7. Because I have a sure foundation in Jesus, I know that the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds him his hand. Psalm 37, 23, and 24. Because I have a sure foundation in Jesus, I believe what he said. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 16, 33. Because I have a sure foundation in Jesus, I know that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Psalm 18, verse 2. Until Christ takes you home, or until Jesus returns for his children in the rapture, we are going to have to hunker down. You're going to need scriptures like these to remind you of the supernatural protection that you have, the help when those guaranteed storms come. A couple challenges for us. Number one, would you share your salvation testimony, your story? of how you came to Christ. Maybe you remember the day, maybe you remember the circumstances around it or the different people that were involved. Share that with somebody and then ask them. Secondly, share those God stories with others. Let's pray and then we're gonna sing a little bit. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for the wonderful blessing that it is to know that we have an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God who is on our side. No man, no power, no demon can thwart your plan and your incredible love for us. We hold on to the fact that you are good. We hold on to the fact that you're going to use us in your plan. The blessing this is, is incredible for us, Father. And we thank you for the assurance that you give day by day. 
We praise you for the work you did to give us opportunity for a foundation. And I praise you that we can know that. that We can know we'll have eternal life. With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Before we sing a couple different songs that reminds us of what we have in Christ, I want to give you a chance to pray. Would you pray right now about someone who very possibly they have a great looking house on the outside, but you're not sure if they have the right foundation? You're not sure if they know Jesus? And pray about how you might be able to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Also, if you're here today, and as I mentioned earlier, I think people hear the gospel many, many times, and yet their eyes have not yet been opened to the reality of it. It could be that when you just heard about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross personally for you, maybe God is working in your heart to ask God for forgiveness and accept Christ as your Savior. You can do that even in the quietness of this moment. That's the foundation that you will need when we stand before God someday. Take a moment to pray.